Hotel history is created for adult audiences. Content may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised. You're listening to Hotel History. We take you with us through the sordid history and scandals of some of the world's most famous and infamous hotels. I'm Dieta. And I'm Yael. Let's get started. Yeah, welcome to our next episode, our episode about the Borschfeld and the hotels in the Catskills. Today, we have a very special guest, and she's an armchair expert on all, all things Borschfeld. Um, she has her own podcast about the Borschfeld called the Borschfeld Tattler, right? Is that the full name? The Borschfeld Tattler podcast. Is the that Borscht a take on the, was it the Grossinger Tattler that they you had? Know the- your, you yeah. know your Borschfeld lore. <laughs> 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 I so, love it. <laughs> it you is. like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Jen Stewart. I am the host of the Borschfeld Tattler podcast. Um, I call myself an armchair expert just because there are so many wiser and way more educated people on this topic than myself. But I guess we can talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I I have not read anyone wiser than you like about well, this that's stuff. Very kind. That's very kind. Um, I literally have created this podcasting community just um, to make noise. Uh, literally to use social media as a means to broadcast these stories out to more and more people. That's literally why I started it two years ago. And uh, it's been a true labor of love. So thank you for having me today. We're That's so awesome. excited. Yes, we I'm are. like, I'm like really, I was like talking about this a lot too much every day. I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm so happy we met her. I <laughs> like, know. I, I'm so happy I met you. Yeah. Our energies match of excitement for things which I think is rare. I don't know. Is it's that just me? Like three entas on a bench. Yeah. It's great. What's <laughs> there not to love? Right. This is perfect. <laughs> so I think the biggest question people have are are gonna have is what is the Borscht belt? Why does anyone care about this? Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ex- like, except from it being like a super micro niche in social media land. Um <laughs> It's, you know, it's a place that has a lot of significance to people. So the term Borschfeld uh, was actually created by Abel Green. He was an editor at Variety magazine, and it originated from the traditional Eastern European soup of Borscht uh, that was commonly associated with Ashkenazi Jewish culture. So Um, During the 20th century, when these places started, the Catskills region, obviously, just um, with all these Jewish immigrants coming to New York, uh, were looking for relief from these crowded and hot urban environments. Um, So that's, that's the very early beginning. Yeah, what the book that was. So I, I thought it was really interesting when I did, like research on it is that it started because there was uh, not typhus. Was it typhus or TB or something? Tuberculosis, like, I think. Tuber- tuberculosis. Yeah. It's like really bad in the city and everyone's living in tenements and on top of each other. And um, and they wanted to, as you said, get away during the summer. But it also started because they like bought farmland and they thought they were going to 
farm. But then it turned out they were terrible farmers. Farmers. terrible farmers. Yeah, well, in the land, the land <laughs> well, not, was not, not worth farming. <laughs> yeah, like it was rocky terrain, and everybody, the the farmers that lived there before, used up the land. Basically, like it was yeah. getting nothing. <laughs> yeah, and they were renting it out to their friends, or that's when that business started booming. Um, and the fact that they Jews weren't accepted in any major hotels or resorts there were no blacks and jews allowed so it's like really the only place they can go yeah they really kind of created this this world for themselves and you know it was the was it a combination of the picturesque landscape was it the cooler climate that made doctors say hey go to the mountains um you know it was a place of rest and relaxation and refuge for people who weren't accepted in other places and in the 1930s and 40s that's when it really started to flourish so um, the rise of middle class and improved transportation infrastructure including the construction of um, the New York State Thruway just made it easier for people to travel to the Catskills so um you know, dozens of larger resorts and hotels started to build as well as the bungalow colonies, which we can talk about a little bit if you want. I know this is more a hotel podcast, but um, <laughs> the bungalows play a very important role in this story. And these places just offered amenities, such as swimming and golf and skiing when they started opening year round and round the clock entertainment, tennis courts, just anything and everything. It was just a vacation fun paradise yeah Yeah. and I love how innovative it was like they were the first all-inclusive places to go like that didn't exist before then so they became this kind of you know um inspiration for other like club med was like a big deal I don't know if it still is but like they they got that idea from (laughs) the hotels of the Borscht Belt to to yeah to include everything food and entertainment and lodging all in one one package so yeah. and then I was reading that I can't remember which one it is. Well, it'll say when we get there. But one of the hotels in 1950s was the first place in the world to put fake snow on their mountains so that people could have a place to ski. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was Concord or Grossinger's and now I forget. But they were always like, no, we were the first. No, we were the first. So they kind of. <laughs> yeah, but um... somewhere in the Borscht yeah. Belt was the first place. <laughs> they seem to want to take a lot of claim for things because when I looked it up online, like the inspiration for Dirty Dancing, every single one of them is like, it was us that we were inspiration. And I'm just like, I think it was more all of you guys. Like, <laughs> No, it. I mean, Eleanor Bergstein is the only one who can answer that question. Yeah. Um, so if she hears this interview, um, please just set the record straight. <laughs> is she the one that made the movie? Yeah, she wrote the. Oh okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, she. So she wrote. Yeah, she wrote Dirty Dancing. Like that's her story. Oh, oh my yeah. god! I need to rewatch Dirty Dancing. I feel like this has inspired me. Um, oh, it's. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's such, it's, it's still such a classic film, right? Even though it wasn't actually filmed in the Catskills, it was like filmed in, I think for a month or something. Or West West Virginia or Or North Carolina or something like that. It wasn't the Catskills. That's all that matters. Yeah. A lot of the places, like, I think they wanted to film there, but a lot of them had already shut down. And so they had to go elsewhere. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because it was the 80s. I keep forgetting when the movie was made. Yeah. 
like yeah, yeah like gro- I think Gross Singers had shut down just like the year before filming, so they just yeah, like barely 86. missed their opportunity. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Maisel uh, season two was filmed in the Catskills, though, so they at least did it. They were it was a bungalow colony. Yeah. Ooh, now I want to know where it was I, in. Oh, actually, I can tell you because I was like, where did they do that? Because so, I was curious. Growing up, everyone I grew up in a. I told you a pretty uh, Jewish religious like Brooklyn neighborhood, and um, and I went to school and all that stuff in in that community. But uh, during the summers, everyone goes upstate to the bungalows, and it, it's so nice in Brooklyn because <laughs> no one's there. <laughs> and yeah, I now I'm curious to know where they filmed because I went when I was 15 to a bungalow colony to work. And I got to know the whole neighborhood, like Kaimisha Lanes, like all everyone, like all these names, Lock Sheldrick, like all of them, South Wallsburg. I didn't realize that I was in the, the epicenter of uh, the Borscht Belt. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's amazing how connected it is. And like anybody who um, either went there or, you know, has a connection to it, like that's that's what's so great about you know, this topic is, you know, most people do have a Borscht Belt story, whether or not they know it or not. Um, And I say that just because maybe it's a comic that you've watched, maybe it's a movie you've seen, maybe it's a TV show you watched, maybe, you know, it's um, some sort of camp, summer camp you went to, you know, like that's modeled after, you know, what was started in these places. So most people, they may not know what the Borscht Belt is, but this sort of concept of round-the-clock leisure and entertainment in this setting, um, most people can relate to because they most people just want to have fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I want to go like, to these places. Yeah. They sounded great. Yeah, they sound. They did sound. So the something that was interesting um, that I read was I thought like when I think of the Borscht Belt, I think of the the hotels and the bungalows. But there is a difference between like where you are economically. If you're if you were lower middle class, you went to the bungalows. If you were higher, you know, economically, like your status, you had more money, you'd go to the resorts. And or of course, yeah, I mean, Wikipedia, yeah, (laughs) or that uh, Belt um, documentary. It it was also yeah. I mean, like certainly the. And even just like looking at the old ads, um, they really tried to make, I mean, based on what I've seen, you know, and what I've collected and sort of archival over the last two years of all these ads that I've seen, they've really, like, they really tried to make it accessible to people with all different budgets. So even if you couldn't do a full summer at Grossingers, for example, um, like first of all, who can get away for eight weeks now? Anyways, like, yeah. Well, this <laughs> do you know what I mean? The, the moms were stay at home, dads worked, and they came on the weekends, right? Or they were, or they were teachers, so they, you yeah. know, they had the summers off. So, oh, right. Yeah, so, yeah. like, it was, it was that. So it just really depended on. Yes, budget did, but but in everybody who I spoke to, no one ever felt like lesser than um than you know based on their economic standing like that yeah. at least so far yet the people that I've spoken to I mean of course there's stuff like that wherever you go these days right like yeah <laughs> um, that's true but yeah you don't really feel it um 
even when I was there, I everyone is living in the country and your living standards just drop and it's okay. It's like, I'm in the shack. And it was a different time. Like you could be, you could go to Kutcher's and, you know, you'd see, you know, Will Chamberlain, who was a bellhop um, before he was Will Chamberlain. You know, you could go to these resorts and like rub elbows with your comics, like the comics that you loved. And like people were more accessible back then and you could be surrounded by people from all different walks of life. And it wasn't like this mystique. It wasn't a you like, you know, rich people over here, poor people here. Yeah. Like, that wasn't that wasn't no, that was, a thing. That's so true. And when I was watching um, that documentary about it and how the the major hotels are run by these families, some of them longer than others. Like Kushner's was run by the same family for over a hundred years or something. Yeah, Kutcher's. Kutcher's. I, and I keep saying it, Kushner's. And it's okay, I everybody. Yeah. So, so, so there's different people say Kutcher's. I sometimes say Kutcher's because some Americans cut, pronounce it Kutcher's. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be, but it it, it it's Kutcher. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was. I mean, that's that's the resort my family went to from Canada, no less. Um, Did you watch was, the documentary about it? Yeah. And Carol and Ian Rosenberg, like Caroline Lasko and Ian Rosenberg, um, I interviewed for my podcast. They are lovely, lovely people. She did a really great short about uh, Will Chamberlain, um, Borscht Belt Bellhop, uh, which was like a Sports Illustrated short. And it's it, it really just opens your mind and eyes to just what types of places these were. Like these weren't just a vacation places like these were sports meccas like yeah Marie Stokes basketball game which was a led I mean I could do a whole probably do yeah a whole podcast. I'm not I'm not super familiar with everything but yeah no no I, that's okay so but pleasures. I know it was like that because it sounded also that these families would make an environment where it was really welcoming to everyone not just Jews and because Jews have been the outcasts, they weren't going to go and be like, you can't come because you're not, you know, one of us or you don't look a certain way. And they gave an opportunity to people who wanted to try um, and they made it feel like home that, you know, the owners, it sounded like they would be in the lobby and welcoming people. And it was like really homey and connected, which I think is Hamisha. Rich. Hamisha I, I, is yeah. The, Hamisha yeah. is Our, the key word. These were families, right? So yeah. You know, Kutcher's was Max and Lewis Kutcher, and that was 1907. And it, it wasn't just, you know, a small little boarding house to a five-store luxury hotel overnight. Like, it took years for them to um, to build that up and to get, you know, the word of, you know, to spread uh, word of mouth, right? There was no social media back then. This was all, like, um, if they could afford print advertising, um great if they couldn't this was all like oh my gosh I just stayed at this wonderful place and it was all word of mouth I think they were I think they're like the most famous one they have to be because that that even not knowing the hotels I knew that hotel like before I'm just like oh what are the hotels I I I know Kutcher's yeah like I think I feel like Kutcher's because it was the last one to close its doors 
um, in 2013. Like that's the, um, that's the one most people know sort of at the forefront, but I would say Concord and Grossinger's were then, Concord and Grossinger's were the two ones that I think always tried to kind of outdo each other um, more or less, but everybody worked together. That's, that's the craziest part about all these hotels. Like even though these hotels were run by different families, um, it it was all like, they all met for coffee in town. (laughs) Really? Oh yeah. Like, like, like the family, like it was cordial. Like you help each other out. It was a very different way to run a, it was a very different way to run a business back then. Um, and I mean, it did them well. (laughs) Do you think, um, do you think like today, if they existed, they would be like that? I don't even, I can't even, so it's so weird. Like I've wanted, since I started this podcast, I wanted more than anything for there to be a Borscht Belt Resort. And I don't know if, I think because everybody now has their, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be so negative, but like, I feel like every, because everybody has their own agenda now, it's just a different mentality. Um, Yeah. Yeah, And it seems like everybody was getting bought out by these major like hotel conglomerates. And so it seems like that's who would be the ones to do it. Well, it was more gambling. You know, oh. they were trying, it was the gamble. So they Putting were trying the to get gambling and... and the casinos into, um, and they had, they had a hard time, uh, getting the government to accept it or the state, um, to accept it. So, um, I think also, you know, like I, I keep saying how behind the scenes, like I, I, you know, I, I'd love to share sort of some of the stuff that I've gone through and trying to make this podcast and, um, really it's been very challenging because um I think there's so many people who are protective of these memories um on so many different levels you have the people who really um they're my memories they're never going to be recreated so stop trying you have the people who um you know if you're an outsider (laughs) like I'm as outsider as it gets like from Canada (laughs) so though that's crazy but 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 that's but that's how they see it though if you're not in Sullivan County if you're not in um these places like you're not you know but but here's the thing that's the thing that shoots you in the foot because if you do that see back in the day they didn't care they just come come eat with us eat with us play with us um it was a different mentality now it's like everybody has their own agenda and that's kind of, I know this is really negative, but like, but, but it's kind of their, their own worst enemy in some ways. I think that that has happened. And you see that in a lot of communities, um, not just Jewish communities, but I think it's because we have it too good. We have, you think a hundred percent because used to be you, people get united, like when you're, and you help each other out when you're in distress and like you're you know, oh, the Jews can't come, you know, you're the other. So it's like, let's gather around. And it's the first wave of immigration, right? It's Ashkenazi Jews. It's not any, really any other major group yet. And so there are these outsiders, you know, there's a lot of anti-Semitism. They have nowhere to go. They want to be Heimish, but they also want to blend into American culture. Like 
I think yeah. so they're all kind of like trying to stick together and figure it out. Um, and they're leaving behind this like sad world in Europe. And then what happens is World War II happens. And, you know, there's also that boom of, um, uh, you know, go to uh, the economy bounces back and they go to the Catskills and they're still like a unit. But I think over time, it's like, well, now anti-Semitism isn't as bad and we're accepted. And then more Jews come and then more people assimilate. And then it becomes, well, I don't really need you. And then, you know, everyone has their community differences. It just, when no one is attacking you, it's a lot easier to be like, I'm good. I don't need you. When you're like the target, it's like, well, let's get together and stay strong. That active oppression creates community. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, and I don't, I mean, I don't like to be negative, but it's just, yeah, there's just been a lot of roadblocks just in trying to do like good things. And it's, it's really, it's very, very sad because you know? I think it's so strange to me, but I, I obviously don't know all the details of the like politics that go into it, but there's I a don't... lot of messy politics right now yeah. in New York State. Um and yeah, I yeah, it's it's very complex. That's <laughs> <laughs> the thing. I, I mean, if it's I, I think that it makes sense also because Jews I don't know if it's only Jews but uh, that's what I'm assuming it's like you ever hear of the saying two Jews three opinions oh 100% yeah like I when people you know you can't no one's gonna agree that's why there's so many different shuls like in synagogues like I I remember growing up and we I live on a block where there's five synagogues around me did we go to any of them no we went to the one a mile away yeah well no if you even like join some of these cat skills groups it's like these are people's memories and then people are like no that never happened it's like that's my memory of how they're exactly no one could agree and you have too many options like it's just I think that's like a big reason why it is the way it is now um it's like one big dysfunctional family you love them no matter what and you embrace them (laughs) in spite of everything yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, how, so the hotels and the Catskills and the bungalow colonies as well, which are kind of like independent hotels. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. Um, yeah. They were family run businesses. Yeah. So they're not totally, it's not that weird that they're included in this podcast because I think that everyone came together, they rented a place and, you know, they were still, you have to take care of the area. But um, so these hotels were the place where Jews went and it started to become a place where entertainment really took off, especially comedy. And that started because they needed to get their entertainment to come to them. Um, And also people did like silly things. Like the more I, I looked into it, it was on Saturday nights, everyone would go to the bungalows or like the in the hotels like the casino where the entertainment was they would have like dances and yiddish theater and mock weddings where the man dressed up as the wife and the wife dressed up as the husband or it was like two men dressed up you know it was really funny for when they saw laughter was laughter and finding joy um was a big thing and that sort of evolved into 
you know, this training ground we know is comedy. Um, the hotels would hire a tumbler, which was um, basically a person who would entertain and engage all the guests at the resorts and uh, and the gas like and the bungalow colonies, right? So, in the context of the Borschfeld, the tumbler was basically this comedian or entertainer who would interact. Uh, with the audience, they'd tell jokes, they'd put on skits, they'd do these, they'd help orchestrate these mock weddings, and generally just keep the energy and atmosphere lively. Um, they would often act as a master of ceremonies, they would warm up the audience uh, before the main act would come. Um, and so everyone was always entertained, you know, just even between meals, between activities, and it their goal was to make the environment lively and entertaining. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's, that's something I appreciate so much in Jewish culture, because you can find that uh, most anywhere, even in Orthodox circles, like growing up when I did go to the bungalow colony um, or whatever it was, there was a comic that would come to the casino and the parents would go and like, it was just, it was still, there was room for that. And I think that makes a huge difference uh, in our culture because that's how all the famous Jewish comedians came about. We made room for it. And I oh, think for sure, there's like, people wonder like, why are there so many Jewish comedians? Cause there's an abnormal amount of Jewish comedians. And I'm like, because we like to laugh and, and we're we laughing through our <laughs> fetching, right? It's yeah. laughter. Like that's that's what Jewish comedy is about. I mean, because there's so laugh, many different. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I mean, comedy. There's been so many conversations and so many comedy historians who have different opinions of this is what comedy is and this is what comedy isn't, and this is, you know. Um, Honestly, I think comedy essentially is just a conversation. Um, it's a conversation that's also supposed to be fun and not, you can take it seriously, but you can also not take it seriously. Um, you can just have fun with it too. Sometimes you laugh because it's, maybe it's awkward for you. Like you can't, it's one of those things where it could be deep, but it can also not be deep. It can just yeah. be it means different things and and comedians it's almost a really... metaphor for life exactly you know like there's different types of comedy out there um certainly the Borschfeld comedians so many uh, Milton Berle Mel Brooks Jerry Lewis Ronnie Dangerfield Henny Youngman yeah. Jackie Mason Buddy Hackett Sid Caesar I'm gonna miss like one or three and people are gonna be like well you forgot to mention uh, Lenny Bruce, Green. Said, right oh sorry Lenny Bruce, you said also. So Lenny Bruce, yeah, like uh, Lenny Bruce, definitely. Like, start from what I understand, he started. Like, there's people yeah. I'm learning about all the time who had a Borschfeld connection. Um, you know, but, some of it's myth, some of it is fact. It, yeah, that's, like it's. I'm it's, sure there's uh, some things people don't know, and <laughs> maybe that's for the. Oh, best. There's there are so many people holding out on me on on stories. Um, like I'm sure of it. <laughs> uh, well, I want to learn more even for myself because um, I told you that I found out my great grandparents owned the small hotel in the Borscht Belt called the Laurel Park. And it was really tiny. Like 
I mean, there was a ton of hotels, but they were definitely the small, small ones. But um, apparently Jerry Lewis's dad worked there and he, as a kid, got his start. Like he would help his dad out. Eventually he moved on to the Browns hotel or I think, right? It was Browns. Yeah, Um, Browns. He was associated with Browns. Yeah. But it was, that's so cool that I have this like weird connection to this famous comedian. Like me personally, I know, but the fact that, you know, my great grandmother and it's crazy because the Borscht Belt and comedy has made a huge influence on American culture. Like it's not just a Jewish thing. Oh it's my God. American thing. Yeah, it's it's American Jewish entertainment. I mean, it's it's Hollywood as we know it. I mean, I don't want to get into that whole because then we get into that argument of Jews run Hollywood. It's like, and so so the thing I always say is they don't run Hollywood. Um, they needed a place to tell their stories, and um, it's just sort of a byproduct of yeah. these train of the training ground. That's what I. That's it's, how I see it. Anyway, even. Before, I think, but you just, it, it, the, the problem is with the whole Jews run Hollywood, it's a, it's not true. And it's sad because the start of it is from a, a like an unfortunate reality was that Jews couldn't go into certain industries. So we made something for ourselves, just like the Borscht Belt. And we are just really good at storytelling because that's how we have gone through anything. And if you look up closer, these quote unquote Jews who run Hollywood, um, their stories um, that they want to tell are sometimes too Jewish for Hollywood. Um, if you look it up really, really close with a magnifying glass, mm-hmm. um, they have to be more secular in order to make it understand, which is such crap. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. um, that's my like, even now, like I know people who are trying to pitch stories um Borscht Belt series and whatnot and they you know they're asking for my opinion and I'm giving them here's how this is and like yeah well that's going to be too too Jewish and I'm like are you seriously kidding I'm not going to name names because I don't want to name names that's hard but it's just it's it's a weird double standard it's I don't know why um but yeah they're they're and and they don't talk about it enough because like you said people want to fit in they want to fit in they want to be a part of it but we don't talk about you know why these stories are too Jewish for Hollywood I that yeah it's it doesn't make sense and also growing up my mom would you you'd be watching a movie or show and you know they'd have something Jewish and she'd just be sitting she's like they're gonna get it wrong she was always like and they got it wrong there's no way. I don't know why they're mixing up this holiday and that holiday. And they're saying like this. And um, I think something she pointed out was that in Will and Grace, because Grace is Jewish and she says a Jewish uh, remark, like wording. I forgot what it was phrase, like um, something in Hebrew. And my mom's like, that's not the right thing. That's not what you say when that happens. They just took some, it's like saying, oh no, Hanukkah, like instead of like, <laughs> Like, I don't know, uh, whatever it was, but it, it, it she made me realize how bad Hollywood does Jewish stuff. Yeah, and- no, 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 it's good. Although I have to say the, sorry, just on a side note, this has nothing to do with the Borscht Belt, that Hallmark 
uh, Hanukkah movie that came out with that girl from, oh God, I think she's from, oh, I forget, Jane the Virgin. Am I getting this right? Anyways, they oh, had a really good, do you know what she has my name? About? Her, her, the actress is Yael. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I know. What you're, I didn't see the movie, but I, I was impressed. Okay. That was well done. Well, because she's Jewish. She's probably half that she's Israeli. I, I yeah, think she's I like was Israeli like, Russian. Okay. And so All the whole time right, she's probably good. like, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. I mean, I if you like, really want to see accurate portrayals of Jews, then you want to go and watch Israeli TV shows. They you do. Sorry, you brought up Hanukkah. And I was like, oh, God, I remember all worked in this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should watch it because I actually heard good things about it. It was really good. It was really good. I was actually very impressed. <laughs> okay, but um, the source of <laughs> the Jews and comedy, the Catskills. But oh, something I thought was so interesting, and I want to know more about these like little random facts about the hotel, was that Eddie Fisher married Debbie Reynolds and later Elizabeth Taylor at Grossinger's. So he didn't marry Elizabeth Taylor at Grossinger's. He brought it. So rumor has it. Okay, so there's different stories. Um, again, unfortunately, Eddie Fisher, you know, may rest in peace. Debbie Fisher, uh, Debbie Reynolds, <laughs> may she rest in peace. Like they, they can't really, their families might be able to tune in on it, like to chime into this. But um, so yeah, they were, Debbie Reynolds, married Eddie Fisher at Grossinger's and then um apparently they were doing a dedication for the new Grossinger swimming pool and Elizabeth Taylor was apparently invited by Jenny Grossinger uh to the pool um I don't know what happened but they were photographed together there's some really great photos out there you can see the the waitresses uh, or the servers at Grossinger's are giving her side off in the photo like um yeah it was a pretty big scandal but they didn't get married though at, um, oh okay years. so yeah. only eddie fisher and debbie reynolds got married they're not yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. but they were together at at Grossinger's. Yeah. okay but i i just thought that was such a move like dude you're really bringing around your new wife like that's showbiz kid <laughs> but I guess I mean if you're marrying Elizabeth Taylor you want to go and be like look uh, this is my wife my girlfriend whatever but I love that that that's that chutzpah. that's chutzpah. Yeah. that yeah you know? that would you know that's piping hot tea as they say yeah, no, definitely piping hot tea. And nothing stays a secret for long in those mountains, that's for sure. No, and it's, everyone knows what you're doing. It's not, you know, um, although if you, though I can't imagine at the hotels anything stays a secret because, you know, at, you're it, all in that same building. But when you're in a bungalow colony and nothing stays a secret either, but uh, they probably knew everything. When I was 15 and I was in the bungalow colony, me and my friends, we were like the counselors of the camp there. And we lived at the edge of the bungalow colony, right at the entrance and the exit. And we would go and party all night at like the local, I don't know, other bungalow frat house, whatever, you stupid places. But they had no idea because there was no one watching us. We just leave and come back. And I don't think they realized how much freedom we had. 
I'm sure they know some stories, but they did not, they definitely don't know all the stories. Yeah. But so many of those, these hotels had their own in-house tattlers, so to speak, their in-house newspapers that was really just a who's who of name dropping, like Dr. and Mrs. Mandelbaum are here celebrating their oh. anniversary. Like they, they would literally have these papers just so everybody knew what everybody's business was mm. and what was happening in the hotel and who was there. And who was dating who? And who was single? I can only Um, imagine all the scandals that happened there. I can't remember. I've read so many things in the past three days that I can't remember the source. But there was um, the author went there when she was a child. And she was saying that when she was 10, her mom said something about someday when she gets married. And she goes, oh, when I get married, that's when I can be friends with all the lifeguards. Because that's what all the married women here do. (laughs) bungalow bunnies yeah it's the thing they don't like to talk about but it was oh I or the or the bull or oh god um someone told me the bull the bull train that was gross no Um, you gotta explain this to me I don't know no no I might be saying it wrong um but basically so the bungalow bunnies were the women who let's go with flirt with the lifeguard sure let's call it that uh flirted with the lifeguards and then the bull train was the husbands so um the women would stay at the bungalow colony like from memorial day till the end of summer and then the husbands had to work during the week the bull train was them coming back so they could right stop their wives conjugal (laughs) yeah I I always thought that was and I was like oh okay but at least it's their wife like honestly I always assumed all those healthy it's healthy I get it but but again these are things like I did not know about all these these women you know they're lonely during the week (laughs) you can't just can't just put these hot lifeguards but I always thought I always thought it was the men who were having like affairs because they I mean think they're separated from their family and their wives all week oh they probably had their own you know it made their it made it a lot easier for them to see their secretary and not have to make an excuse about it oh my god freedom unless they really were (laughs) this is yeah this is all wild speculation just based off of human nature Yeah, but now that we're on the topic of romance and the bungalow colonies and the Catskill resorts, this is where people got together and the mating rituals would happen, you know? And um, in that documentary, there's this woman who's talking about how there are a lot more single girls and single guys, which I feel like is always his name. And um, there's a little promo video of uh, a hotel where you see the guys like falling sick and all the girls are like, oh, you know which one I'm talking about, Deanna? Yes, I saw it. It was oh, so yeah, no, no, no. It was the place to find your mate. Um, Grossingers even had like a the state-of-the-art computer dating system um, that would match you up based on- Oh, wow. You know, whatever. Yeah. It was- the innovation. They, they did online dating before anybody else. pre-tinder 100% it was the place to find a husband um there's even like great photos of like capturing like out there you can see online like um they have of a 1970s Borschfeld singles weekend they're great they're super photos I honestly think they should 
bring that back because they should we need new dating situations i mean you guys it doesn't yeah, apply to the computer too. man like, <laughs> it doesn't I work i love it doesn't even... work it doesn't i it's well it works for some that's not true i know it's not true but it's like you know it's 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 you're you have to be lucky um but my sister found her guy on a dating app so... and so you're the urban legend with the I have a friend with a sister who has a cousin who yeah and, and also my cousin found her husband on J-Day and like <laughs> you know it, it's possible it's just hard but I will say this uh to but bring think it, of how much faster you'd get them mated if you threw them into a room right <laughs> I think it's genius I think we need that as as a room I think that's why people like community and they like you know places to go so they can meet and talk to people but what I really loved was that in high school when you go to like summer camp or or bungalow colonies whatever and a boy liked you he would ask you to go on a Shabbos walk and you would go and you know it's like this innocent getting to know you like oh Shabbos Shabbos walk walk. oh my god is it like a walk to remember but it's like a Shabbos (laughs) walk to no I'm sorry she dies in that movie so (laughs) yeah no no it's not that he does that's a terrible analogy like like, all right bye um no it's 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 on Shabbos because I mean I grew up orthodox so we we couldn't do anything really except like read and hang out and all that stuff but it was the perfect time to go out and you know explore nature and, um, and you would, you know, a, a boy would ask you, would you want to go on a walk with me? It's like what you do. And so you started that is to the sweet, see, that's, see, sweet. see, I need to hear more of that. Cause that's we need more shot. We need an app called need, the Shabbos walk. <laughs> we need more stories of Shabbos walks or like a, a novel about a Shabbos walk. Like, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's like a secular version where people just like, Hey, you want to hang out in my car? But <laughs> Yeah, it's called Netflix and chill, but yeah. you can't do that. You can't Netflix. <laughs> you can't just do chill. that. So it's, it's a Shabbos walk, not yeah. Netflix and chill. But they kind of mentioned that in in the documentary, how that's what they would do. They would have they would push people to get it was more formal and for like a little bit older, not just like young teens. But they would kind of do that and push them through like a uh the love arch or something, and they would go on a walk or whatever. But yeah. Oh, the flirtation walk that they the had. The flirtation walk. That's what they called yeah. it. Yeah. And I just think that's so nice. And I feel like comedy, um, dating apps, it all started in the abortion. <laughs> nice. so it did. I did. I, I like to say that the borscht belt literally is the inventor of everything. The modern dating scene. Oh, yeah. The borscht belt. Comedy. You know, Borscht belt. Like everything really started. Borscht belt. All the 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 only food and your obsession with carbs. Borscht (laughs) belt. Oh yeah, the food. So when I watched that documentary about Kushers, or am I saying it right? Kushers. Sorry. Um, Yeah, you're saying it. You got it. You got it. And they were like, "Oh, we have the best food." I'm not trying to be mean, but it didn't look great. But it was very high food, like Jewish. And at, growing up, that was that was the best food. It was comforting, and you know, you just wanted matzo ball soup and devotivish and knishes. And I, that's my where, favorite. Oh. My favorite thing that I come across are these old ads: lose weight in the Catskills. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> it was all it. you can eat all day like, long, and it was just like you, you'd have because, like, you know, like. I don't know, in my family, 
Um, every woman, every Jewish woman I was around was always on a diet. I don't know about you, but like literally every Jewish, like, so it, it was really interesting to see how these ads would, you'd see these dietary restrictions, which were like, like the kosher thing. And then it would be like, we now have Weight Watchers options. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, who goes to a Borscht Hotel and counts points? Like, For real. No. Yeah, but you know the rule. <laughs> oh, well, maybe, this was a rule, again, maybe in the religious world. Calories don't count on Shabbos. No, they don't. And it's just like, okay, I'll start start Sunday. Like, and I can, and that is something I really appreciate. Yeah, but that's also when you eat the most, because all you do, if you're not doing any activities, because you're not allowed to, you are sitting and eating. You know, Friday night dinner. Then you wake up and you have kiddush, and then you have lunch, and then you have the the you know regalach and the babka and the everything, and then. If you're really religious, you have a third meal at the end of the day on Shabbos. And then after that, uh, you have Malava Malka, where you have more junk. So when Shabbos ends, I feel like this is like a Jewish lesson. No, I'm <laughs> like, after- no, no, no. I'm like, this is going to explain why there's so much candy in our Sobeys kosher food aisle. Like, no, I, this, I'm this trying is- to understand, like, there's an, a crazy amount of kosher. There's like a whole aisle of kosher candy in my kosher supermarket so I'm trying to like wrap my if you're really like religious um you're having almost three meals on Saturday you're having the lunch meal um and if you go to shul you have kiddush too which is another insane like amount of food and you have the lunch meal and then there's a third meal called uh well in Hebrew it's like sudat shlishit but in Ashkenazi Jew, it's um Shalashudis. <laughs> everything is like very Jewish sounding and like everything kind of blends in. It's the third meal before Havdalah, the end of um Shabbat ending. And it's a light meal. You have like tuna and stuff like that. And then after that, especially in the long summer, you know, days, you have something called a Malava Malka, which is a celebration after Shabbat ends. And it's usually entertainment. That's like, oh, let's go and have a party and there's candy. And it's an, the amount of food that Jews like th- that revolve around. We do everything around food. There isn't anything where food is not included. We, we, we laugh, we eat, we cry, we eat. Yeah. We mourn, we eat. We survived. We, some, we, we survived. We eat. It's literally, <laughs> yeah. it's soul food. And I think that the these hotels definitely gave into that like culture because food is such a big deal. Like you have to have enough food. Not having enough food at a meal is an, such an embarrassment to people. Like I would even I, I not having enough food. I'm like, oh my god, wait you you can't take home leftovers. There wasn't enough food. <laughs> yeah no 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 I know yeah or like the whole joke too is um Nazi Lawrence was a comic in the Catskills and he was the line was for later you know because he'd have these old ladies who would be tucking like Bialis and <laughs> <laughs> but they'd but they'd like stick these cookies and they're like wrapped in uh serviettes for later like they would hang on to yeah. these just to keep it in their hotel room <laughs> Yeah, that's what that was a thing. It was a thing. 
that's how you live. Like, I'm so confused. I was around very waspy people for a little bit and um, nothing wrong with it. Could not, I went to a very wasp wedding. I couldn't understand the lack of food. It was like they, their priorities were alcohol, but not food. And I'm like, I, what, why? This isn't life. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the strangest thing whenever they're just like, we're going to have a little lunch. And it's literally just a little lunch and not like a whole spread. I'm just like, guys, you're doing this wrong. Someone <laughs> needs to be in charge of the food and it needs to be a Jewish woman. During its peak high season in the Catskills, there were over a million guests and um, they said a thousand different hotels. Yeah, almost. Yeah, a thousand. From, like, yeah there were like a thousand, um, a thousand hotels, basically. It was quite remarkable. Um, I would love to see a map of that and all the dots. Or they- yeah. So Cause the, cause um, the Catskills really important- isn't huge, right? Like it's big, but it's not huge. It's not. Um what I really want to pay actually attention to is um, the Borscht Belt Markers uh, project, which has actually um, been headed by uh, Marissa Scheinfeld. Um, and she's basically putting this project together um, to basically recognize spots in the Catskills that, and she would be someone to talk, like absolutely somebody to talk to about this, but she's actually created a project that's putting these historical markers on places that existed in the Catskills um like she is the she's the expert on everything there is to know about the history and um I listened to her on your podcast she's mm -hmm. the one that yeah yeah I got to interview her um and just more than just sort of this historical marker project it's this like multifaceted effort that they're like of a long-term that they're trying to combine with other mediums to make sure that they don't get lost to time. So people know where these places existed um, and trying to work with the community um, to make sure that people remember them. So um, definitely I need to uh, just mention that the Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project uh, is definitely the place to, for all your sort of resources, of where to find, you know, where these places were, how to find them now. And it goes into a really great in-depth uh, description of the places that existed. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to um, definitely post and make sure everyone knows all the details. So we might have to go over it with you later. But Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. She, uh, yeah, no, she's, um, it's, it's a really great initiative. And uh, they just, they had uh, their first one, their first ceremony um, just happened this past June. I hope it's June. Sorry, now I'm gonna, sorry, May. Uh, it was at the Ethelbert E. Crawford Library in Monticello, New York. And then the next event is actually uh, August 13th it's going to be in Mountaindale and it's from 1 30 to 4 o'clock p.m and they're going to do a marker so they have so many other more markers happening um and so, she's really working really hard on that so well this is amazing because I think we should have markers and uh there should be a historical like mm-hmm. you know reference to everything because it's this had a huge influence on so many things in, in the area, in America, as we said, 
birthplace of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, matchmaking. Matchmaking. Uh, sports. <laughs> sports, as you were mentioning before, but these hotels, like, they they really cared about sports. They gave opportunities to people who wouldn't otherwise have opportunities. And I don't know why it's not spoken of more. Like, I feel I feel like it is glossed over this whole area, this whole history a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely in the last like six months with, you know, um, Marissa's project, with the Borschfeld Museum, with the festival happening, with documentaries coming out, like now it's really um, people are finally starting to wake up and because of these people who are doing these amazing projects. Um, That's literally, you know, like good, you know, and and trying to bring people in to to pay attention. So it's it's happening. Um, I don't know what it will do with um, I think what they're trying to do is to make sure that they bring people to the area and they help with, you know, economic development, tourism, um, but they're really going to make sure that these stories don't get lost to time. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, that I, includes you because you're you're yeah. interviewing a lot of people from the older generation who aren't going to be around yeah, forever. I, I've just been trying to keep my head down and find as many people as possible, and and then and then when people need, you know, help for projects, I'm like, here, go talk to you. Need to talk to so and so. I'm kind of like the I, I call myself an instigator because uh, <laughs> because I'm really just. Um, I'm kind of like I'm a yenta. I'm the loudest person in the room. Doesn't know the the most things in the room, but I'm the loudest and the one who gets in your face. So <laughs> that's that's you feel at home here. Then I know, I know. It's like it's like not the most educated, not the the brightest bulb. But my God, I'm loud and I will not shut up until I get the things that. <laughs> so, maybe you are. Maybe um, that's how you do it. That's it's chutzpah, man. Like, I don't know. You just have to, yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with this tangent, but um, (laughs) yeah, I just I try and be really respectful of you know what's already been out there and the work that's been put in. I'm kind of like I'm not trying to downplay what I've done, it's just um yeah maybe it's the Canadian in me it's like no (laughs) everybody else is so amazing like I don't know I I just you're the opposite of me I'm like look at what we're doing we're having one yeah like I'm super yeah (laughs) like I've created this yeah like I've created this amazing community of people and been able to meet just such great people with amazing stories and um it's that's what makes it uh, fun like that's the point it's right? fun and it's it's really cool I mean like so this guy I was interviewing the other um the other day he told me this 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 made my day this made my day then more than anything he was at kosher palooza okay and I don't know if you know what kosher palooza I've is. heard of it no. it was the first annual kosher food gathering and what do you know he's you know, they're um, promoting this new product of his. And this woman comes up and she's like, she recognizes him from the home of Black Lodge. And he goes to him, you know, 
you really need to get Jen Stewart to interview you. <laughs> the no. Borscht Belt. And this wasn't just anyone. This is like an Orthodox woman who wow. was, and I don't know who this person was, um, but basically that's everything. Amazing. That's, that's, that reach that, that is literally oh, takes the cake thing. for any, because it, it's, that's, that's what it's about. It's like yeah. yelling as loud as I can. <laughs> sure. Yeah. They're paying but, attention. Yeah. No, I know who's watching. I mean, I, I see my statistics like, and by, yeah, I see the numbers on my. So do you see it. like a lot of New Yorkers listening? Oh, it's all New York. Yeah. It's, it's like mostly New York. Um, But like I see the analytics and so I know it's definitely people are listening. Um, I don't know if I they're just like. so great. Yeah. I think that's amazing that you even said that to him. Yeah. But I like, but, and he, he, he had to make a note to tell me that just cause I fell into and... it and, and I just, I was really frustrated by the lack of personal stories and anecdotes that were out there. That was my whole thing. Um, so many. And there's so many, there's so it's many. endless, it's endless. And like everybody talks about, so, and, and coming from like a social media background, and content people talk about content how do I find content it's like I needed to find something that was going to give me content and holy moly like this is content goldmine yeah so, it really is it really like, is the stuff comedy that sports so food culture religion yeah vacation like it yeah just disease disease <laughs> <laughs> it really covers everything civil rights there's yeah. nothing it doesn't talk about. Like it really touches on everything. Yeah. Um, I think that this area, the Catskills, it's having a resurgence. The, the Hudson Valley, like that whole area, because um many people are leaving New York City and they don't want to go that far. And even driving through, it's people are buying up, they're going to the suburbs, but they're moving farther and farther out. And they're touching on this area. And I think that I don't think it's a coincidence that what is happening now with this like preservation of the history and people moving, you know, are happening at the same time, because it, it's kind of like, where do you go? And then you have this space that has this history and you don't want to lose it. And I think there's something about young people who didn't care about their history and then getting older and wanting to get in touch with it and then doing something about it. I don't know if this relates at all, if anything, I'm making sense, but personally, there's something that's been happening to me where I want to go back and I want to preserve and I want to understand and it's how you connect and it's the borscht belt effect. No, um, you know, I hear a lot of people like, like one of the biggest sort of criticisms that I hear is that, um, you know, p people who want quote unquote, the borscht belt back, they're trying to redo something or bring something back that no longer exists. Like, um, and I think I, I think ultimately what's happening is, um, you know, it, like we're just living in a house, like a, at least in New York, anyways. That, I mean, and in Toronto, there's like a housing crisis, and um, people can't afford to live in these cities anymore, and they want a simpler life. You know, it's yeah. people want to return to a simpler way of living. Um, 
I think people have a desire to connect, which is why people are moving to smaller towns. Um, yeah. Also, remote work. I mean, if remote work, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, makes it a lot easier to to kind of be out of, you know, out of the city. Um, you know, I, you know, my number one question when I started this podcast was, "Do you think you'll ever see the Borscht Belt back?" And I had hoped that we'd have a Borscht Belt hotel, and really. Right now, like, um, just paying more attention to what's happening in these counties and the wonderful things happening with these from these projects to these events to these new businesses and being able to, you know, use my platform uh, to be able to promote that is sort of how my podcast has evolved now. It's now not just looking at the past, but how do you support these places? Um, that really suffered when these Catskills resorts shut down. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs. Um, people went into poverty. It was very sad. Yeah. Um, it, there's like a lot of sadness with these places. And and something someone also pointed out to me, you know, and wanting to remember, which I had never thought about is um, the reason some people don't like to talk about the Borscht Belt is because it's painful. It's a reminder of what they lost or what they had to give up or what was given up or what was sold. Like I, I yeah. get that. So, um, but to kind of bring it to a more positive light, I think there's just a lot of wonderful things happening, you know, with different projects and businesses. So obviously like the Borscht Belt Museum, which has been, in the making for almost a decade um finally got its home in Ellenville so they're in the process of you know they as as I speak they're planning their opening ceremony for their pop-up uh this Sunday um you have Borschfeld Fest happening uh July 29th this year it's just such a beautiful thing like it just you know it's not going to be what it was, but it's going to be better because it's people yeah. who really love these places and respect these places all congregating to one spot, you know, just to yeah. remember and laugh and I, eat. And I haven't been there in so long. I haven't I've been there to... since I was a kid. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So my mom also, she went to a bungalow colony when she was younger up until I, I saw well. that. So this was Hillcrest Park, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where she went. And apparently she didn't realize that that was like the luxury of bungalow colonies because it was actually GI housing or something. Okay. Um, my grandfather was in the Navy. But um, okay. she, you know, she's like, you should reach out to the rest of my family and find out uh, any stories and stuff like that. So I'm actually doing that. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to take some of that and add it in and for content, but, um, yeah, I want to, it's crazy how it connects literally everyone. My grandparents have such a cute story about how the Borscht Belt, basically the reason I exist is because of the Borscht Belt. Uh, the oh, were you conceived at the Neville? I, that's... no, well, oh, sorry, no. but my mom, maybe, um, <laughs> I was, so my, my grandmother met, my grandfather at work, she, she worked at where he was, he was an engineer and all of the ladies were like, so into him, he's very charming and all that stuff. So because everyone wanted him, 
she gave him like that. I'm not into you. Cause she's just, she was like that, you know, I'm not going to give you the attention. Um, but he of course was like, who's that? I need to date her. So she said, no, I'm not going to date you. But he called her every single day. And every day she had another excuse like, no, I'm not. I got to wash my hair. It's not happening. And she it was during the summer and she went upstate and then she um, she forgot her luggage. And he goes, hey, let's go out or something. And she's like, I can't. I forgot my luggage upstate. I have to go get it. And he's like, I'll drive you upstate to get your luggage just go out with me after or you know whatever and she's like okay fine if you'll drive me upstate to pick up my luggage I'll think about it so he drove her to get her luggage and afterwards she's like well okay I'll go out with you because you know you did me this favor and of course like it ends up that they end up getting married or you know being together and falling in love and all that stuff but it was so funny that this little thing of the, you know, the Catskills, it's just like, I love that. That was, the, that was the breaking point for my grandmother. Like, okay, if you're willing to drive two hours out of your way to go pick up my stuff, then you might be worth it. <laughs> and by the way, that was like my grandfather in a nutshell, he would drive anywhere, do anything, you know, um, and also she was dating someone else at the time because she was a little play player. They always were. Scandal. Every, every yeah. story I hear about women back, they were always dating somebody else. You gotta keep and my girl. But it was like, di- okay, but it was it, it was a different concept. Like it wasn't yeah. like like the dating back then was just you'd go out with a boy, you wouldn't mm-hmm. jump into bed with everybody. It was That's oh true. no, no. But I mean they yeah. how did they have such an easy time finding all these men to date? And now <laughs> single women can't get anybody out. to ask them out um, because <laughs> people went out and people people went out and men had balls back then <laughs> i will true. just I'm to go familiar. back to the story <laughs> my <laughs> grandmother decided to choose my grandfather and when i asked because i asked her this when she was alive i said why did you choose zadie avram she goes he made me laugh so hard and this other guy was boring <laughs> no it's true man with a sense of humor is like and he was funny i mean i never got to meet him but i we talk about him like I can feel his presence. And anyways, they had a very beautiful marriage and like such a love story. And he was obsessed with her and like treated her amazing. But I, that was so interesting when I realized I'm like, that was it. The the freaking hat skills made them get together. My grandmother was being stubborn. I know, which goes back to my original idea. Shove him in a room. Get him to mate. <laughs> yeah. Like how... You know, I, I don't know here. I, I got that's a whole other conversation about dating. But um, I think I think the Borscht Belt has solved so many issues that the we Borscht Belt created dating. It created dating. <laughs> I'm going to just start creating this. It, it created, created socializing. Yes. Yeah. We invented like, being social. On the next episode, we'll continue discussing the hotels of the Borscht Belt and what led to their ultimate downfall. In the meantime, you can get more Catskills content by listening to Jen's podcast, The Borscht Belt Tattler, and by following at Borscht Belt Pod, at Borscht Belt Museum, and at Borscht Belt Historical Markers on Instagram. For a historical dive on the region, visit catskillsinstitute.northeastern.edu. 
We've curated a variety of books on the subject, both fiction and nonfiction, that you can find at bookshop.org slash shop slash hotel history. You can also find books about other hotels we featured on the podcast. We do receive a small commission on any books you buy at no additional cost to you, so go crazy. You can also follow us on TikTok at Hotel History and on threads at Hotel History Podcast and sign up for our Patreon. We would love the support at patreon.com slash hotel history. Please subscribe to our recently launched newsletter, The Check-In, at tcheckin.substack.com for curated news articles on travel, culture, events, and of course, hotels. Our current issue is all about the Catskills, including lots of stuff we couldn't fit into the podcast episodes, so check it out. As always, thank you for listening, and if you like what you heard, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps people find us.